Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. And now, here is Walter Bingham. Hello and welcome to the program for April 12, 2022, or the 11th of Nissan 5782 in our calendar. During this month, the Jewish festival of Passover, the Christian celebration of Easter, and the Muslim month of Ramadan all coincide, so I want to wish all my listeners Chag Sameach, a happy Easter, and Ramadan Karim. Unfortunately, the festival season has turned into a period of mourning for the families whose loved ones have become victims of another terrorist attack, this time in the heart of Tel Aviv. I send my heartfelt condolences to the bereaved families and my prayers for a speedy total recovery of the wounded. May the Lord avenge their blood. As the terrorist who carried out the attacks now in the company of his desired 72 virgins, it is already possible to understand that the present spate of terror murders are a result of the government's neglect of internal security in favor of concentrating on receiving favorable international praise and recognition by focusing all its efforts to relieving the Ukrainian catastrophe. I support our humanitarian actions, but our people's security must be first and foremost on the agenda. Despite the alleged heightened security, I did not see one soldier or uniformed police officer on King George or Jaffa streets or at the bus stops in the heart of Jerusalem during the day of the evening's tragedy in Tel Aviv. I am Walter Bingham, and because in today's program there is an item about presidents, I decided to tell you about my visit last month to the home of Israel's president, Isaac Herzog. It was at his request and not in my capacity as journalist. We talked at length about our respective lives, and I was particularly interested in his grandfather, after whom he is named. Rabbi Isaac Halevi Herzog, Sichon Livracha, was an extraordinary person. He studied at the Sorbonne in Paris and the University of London, where he received his doctorate for his research on Tachelet, the blue dye once used for making tzitzit, the fringes on the Jewish prayer shawls. Following a period as Chief Rabbi of Ireland, he succeeded Rabbi Cook as Chief Rabbi of Mandatory Palestine and the State of Israel. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And now, here is Walter Bingham. Our state president, Isaac Herzog's grandfather, was an extraordinary person. Following a period as chief rabbi of Ireland, he succeeded Rabbi Cook as chief rabbi of mandatory Palestine and the state of Israel. Our president's father, 
had an equally illustrious career which culminated in the presidency of the State of Israel. That succession, although not hierarchical because they were each chosen on their own merits, makes them, in my view, the nearest to a royal family. You will also hear an update on the situation in Ukraine and an assessment of Putin's probable next step. But I begin with this. Israel's president does not live in an opulent presidential palace, but rather in a functional home with a decorated hall that serves as venue for receptions and the necessary suite of offices. Its official Hebrew name simply means the president's house and its entrance is on a main road in a residential area. There is, however, a very large and beautiful garden with different statues and where international dignitaries have planted commemorative trees. At one of the colourful events in the President's calendar that takes place with pomp and ceremony, military band, national anthems and honour guards, the President receives the letters of credence from new foreign ambassadors upon the assumption of their diplomatic duties in Israel. Such an occasion happened this week when the ambassadors of Tanzania, Armenia, Austria, Singapore and Kyrgyzstan were welcomed in the Great Hall. Each arrived separately with a police escort at intervals of 45 minutes and then returned similarly to the King David Hotel. Following Ambassador Alex Gabriel Kalua of the Republic of Tanzania, who extended personal regards to President Herzog from his president, it was the turn of Arman Akopian, Ambassador of the Republic of Armenia, whose previous posting was in Brazil, where the First Lady, Mrs. Herzog, grew up. To the astonishment of the President, the Ambassador presented his credentials in perfect Hebrew and also wrote his remarks in the guest book in Hebrew. President Herzog noted that it was his father, while President, who received the credentials of the first Ambassador of Armenia after the establishment of diplomatic relations. The third ambassador who presented his letters of credence was Nicolas Luterotti from the Republic of Austria. President Herzog thanked him for the friendship with Israel, saying, We have a very unique, important and strong relationship between our nations. The ambassador explained that the Austrian government has tripled its spending to protect and promote Jewish life in Austria, Quote, to make it the vibrant part of our society that it used to be. Next came the non-resident ambassador of Singapore, Juan Polim. He updated the president on the progress towards the establishment of a permanent Singaporean embassy in Israel following his government's decision last month. The president asked why Singapore does not have a water desalination plant and heard from the ambassador that it's cheaper to buy the water from neighbouring Malaysia. President Herzog then remarked that Malaysia is the most anti-Semitic country in the world, worse than Iran. Asked about Singapore's relations with China, the ambassador replied that no country in the world can ignore China. It is important for Singapore. The non-resident ambassador of Kyrgyzstan, 
Kubanitschbek Omuraliev was the last to present his letters of credence. He also serves as Kyrgyzstan's ambassador to Turkey. He is Kyrgyzstan's first ambassador to the State of Israel in 20 years. President Herzog began by wishing the ambassador a Ramadan Karim and handed him a personal letter to his president, Sadir Yeparov, on the occasion of 30 years of diplomatic relations. The president and the ambassador then discussed opportunities to expand trade, academic and cultural cooperation and reciprocal tourism between Israel and Kyrgyzstan. These exchanges between our president and foreign ambassadors and the mutual greetings between the presidents contribute much to the maintenance and even improvement of relations between our respective countries. Now, there are presidents and presidents and Putin. Have you ever thought about that exalted position of head of state? If you did and tried to describe the position of a president, you may find some difficulty. Yes, it is the head of state who, without exception, lives in beautiful premises, sometimes even palaces. State functions take place there, and visiting statesmen and their wives are hosted at exquisite banquets to which the country's high society are invited and turn up in their finery. Sometimes important political decisions emanate from the private tete-a-tete across a coffee table decorated with the national flag of the visitor's country. Unless they follow it with a press conference, all we see is a photo of smiling faces, shaking hands, when even sometimes serious disagreements hide behind that public facade. But there are differences in the system by which such men and women accede to the position of president. In France, for instance, if no candidate gains 50% of the votes, a second round is organized between the two with the highest numbers of votes. The candidate who then has the absolute majority of votes cast is then elected. The term of office is five years and at expiration the incumbent may stand once more as candidate for election, as is the case there in just a few days. Unlike in the United States, once the official campaign has begun, each candidate must have strictly the same amount of airtime on TV and radio, and there is also a strict limit on election expenditure. In Germany, the election of the state president is even more complicated. He or she is elected by a federal convention that meets only every five years for that single purpose. It's comprised of all members of the Bundestag, the German parliament, and an equal number of members elected by the parliaments of the 16 lender, the counties. The number of representatives which the individual lender may send to the federal convention is calculated based on the population of each land. The term of five years can be renewed multiple times. The procedure is then similar to the French system. In some democracies, the president is installed by parliamentary vote and renewable after every term. Israel's president, until now only male, is elected by parliament for one non-renewable term of seven years. 
He has no political power, although his usual previous experience in government or executive positions does command influence. All these are semi-presidential systems with both a president and the prime minister who is responsible to parliament. Then there are countries where the presidency changes by a coup d'etat, the forceful acquisition of power by a general or other dictatorial strongman who hopes to remain the head of state for life. They then exercise sole rule with dictatorial powers, and that method is particularly prevalent in Latin American countries. Some military dictators have adapted to present themselves as civilians, organizing sham elections and creating make-believe democracies. Many poorer countries in the southern hemisphere are subjected to such systems. In some countries that are now true parliamentary democracies, like the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Denmark or Sweden, the head of state used to be a queen or king who ruled with absolute power and an iron hand. Today, their head of state is still a monarch, but a figurehead to preside at state occasions such as opening of a new parliamentary session. In the UK, even the Queen's speech at such an occasion is written by the government and contains its parliamentary programme. Quite a different and unusual system obtains in the Russian Federation. Although there is a parliament, but since the turn of the millennium, the position of president and prime minister alternated between several ministers and Vladimir Putin. Since 2012 he has remained president and recently enacted a law that guarantees his position until 2036. The prime minister is subservient to the president who effectively rules with dictatorial powers. So in different countries the state president is in office for different terms and with different powers. While on the subject of President Putin, it is not possible to avoid comment on his war in Ukraine. There, the situation changes very fast so that any assessment is almost out of date before it's published. It is believed that Russian intelligence was inaccurately informed about the determined will of the Ukraine population to oppose the invasion, which was to be a blitzkrieg during which they thought to be welcomed. Sources report that Putin has sacked several of his closest advisers. Some were even sentenced to house arrest. It is now obvious that everything did not go as planned and that the Russian army was not prepared for the opposition that they met. Yet Putin announced that the first phase of the operation has been successfully completed. Now he is withdrawing from the cities northwest of the capital, Kiev, closely pursued by Ukrainian troops and leaving behind a land of scorched earth and cruel murder of civilians. Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. 
But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For a lighten up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And now, here is Walter Bingham. Putin announced that the first phase of the operation has been successfully completed. Now he is withdrawing from the cities northwest of the capital, Kiev, closely pursued by Ukrainian troops and leaving behind a land of scorched earth and cruel murder of civilians. They have also left the area around the nuclear power plant at Chernobyl, carrying contaminated soil in their tracks and wheels into Belarus. It is believed that the new Russian objective is to complete the line of occupation of southern Ukraine to prevent local access to Black Sea ports for supplies by sea. On the other hand, if Turkey would heed the Ukrainian President Zelensky's pleas and decide to close the Bosphorus Strait to Russian ships, supplies to the Russian-occupied Crimean Peninsula would be severely curtailed. I believe that the only alternative for Putin without losing face is to concentrate on consolidating his hold on the Donbass region in the eastern part of Ukraine, where he has support from the ethnic Russians, who comprise an estimated 30% of the population in that area. That would serve him as a bargaining chip in peace negotiations with Ukraine. In the meantime, Putin continues to punish Ukrainian cities with heavy bombardment and artillery fire. That tactic has already been condemned as war crimes by the Western world that called for a Nuremberg-style war crimes tribunal. Israel has several organizations that monitor the Arab-speaking media and evaluate and accordingly disseminate to relevant organizations or to the media anything that pertains to Israel. Arguably the largest is Memory, the Middle East Research Institute. They recently published the content of an interview with self-styled Palestinian Islamic scholar Mrave Nasser on Turkish television channel 9 that is believed to be affiliated with the Muslim Brotherhood. Aaron Reich, an editor of the Jerusalem Post, picked up the story and in an article on April 5th tried to explain extensively what has been said. I don't know when in my program I ever before read out an almost complete newspaper article that I did not write verbatim. But there is always a first time for everything, and I thought you would like to hear it, because the so-called scholar Nassar talks about the concept of a Jewish state in terms that I have never heard before. Please believe me that this is not an April Fool's story. After an introductory paragraph, Reich continued, quote, According to Nasser, the traditional allies of the Jews, the U.S. and the West, have realized that Israel will come to an end within just two years, which has caused them to forsake it. Consequently, his theory goes, the Jewish state has found new allies in Russia and China with a new goal, creating a Jewish state in Ukraine. 
This in turn will be supported by claims that Ukraine is the true home of the Jews, who will even declare that biblical Jerusalem, along with the first and second temples, were actually located within Ukraine all along. Memory quoted Nasser as saying, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has been ongoing since February 24th. According to Moscow's official statement on the matter, the war, which they have dubbed Special Military Operation, was launched to protect Russian speakers and denazify Ukraine. However, most international observers point to a number of other reasons, such as a desire to prevent Ukraine from joining the West, specifically the European Union and NATO. The invasion has caused widespread devastation and destruction throughout the country, and both Ukrainian civilians and Russian troops have suffered significant casualties. But it seems, according to NASA, this is to be expected. The Israelis understand nothing but force, he told Channel 9, according to memory. If the security of their state depends on aligning with Russia, or at least being neutral, they will do this even if it means sacrificing the Ukrainian Jews. This sacrifice of Ukrainian Jewry would include Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky, Prime Minister Denis Shmihal, and Defense Minister Oleksiy Reznikov, all of whom are Jewish. But would the Jews really sacrifice other Jews for this goal? According to memory, Nasser clearly believes this to be the case, noting that the Jews have done this before, following the false holocaust. Even in the false holocaust, there is a book written by a Jew which asks, who killed the Jews? They were offered to take the Jews for five dollars each, Nasser said according to memory. They took one look, saw that most of them were old, and said we don't want them. A Jew wrote this book and said, we killed the Jews. That is what he means. Because we refused to accept 100,000 or 200,000 Jews who were in Germany in exchange for a handful of dollars. They only wanted young people. They did not want the old. End of quote. Why would that have happened? Nasser asks as much and gives an explanation, albeit one that is debunked by nearly all understandings and records of the Holocaust, World War II, and history in general. He asks, why did the Holocaust really happen? Leave aside everything that is being said, during World War II, some of the Jews joined the Americans and the West, and others joined Germany. They said, if the Germans win, we are with Germany, and if the West wins, we are with the West, Nasser explained, according to memory. Hitler found out that there were Jewish spies, so he killed some of them. It was not hundreds or thousands, like they say, these are all lies. Why would Israel turn to Russia and China? If you ask most experts, they would say that Israel has done no such thing, and that support for the Jewish state among its Western allies is strong. But if you ask Nasser, according to memory, that is far from the case, and Israel has turned to the East because, quote, America has forsaken them. The U.S. told them in short, your Zionist project is a failure and you are bound to come to an end. If not this year, then next, the scholar explained, according to 
the Research Institute. The Americans understand that they are supporting a failed project, he said, so the Israelis are looking for an alternative which can be Russia or China. While the West may think that Israel is doomed to fall within the next two years, according to NASA, what does Israel or at least the Israeli political echelon think? As far as NASA is concerned, according to memory, they are very much aware. End of the article. I read this article exactly as Aaron Rice wrote it. Finally, I notice from reports emanating from sources close to the government that ministers are already speculating on the result of musical chairs in August 2023, when Naftali Bennett has to vacate the prime ministership for Yair Lapid, according to the rotation agreement. Let me forecast that the government will not last that long. Deep cracks are already appearing in its structure. This week, the chairwoman of the coalition and member of Bennett's Yamina party, Edith Silman, resigned from the government because she could no longer support Bennett's policies. I expect that at least one more will follow. The collapse is close. I am getting angrier by the day at the false premise on which our present government bases its policy towards our so-called Palestinian Arab neighbours. They and the left wing that manipulates our weak Prime Minister believe that by strengthening the Palestinian Arab sector within our country, by establishing new towns with all conveniences, by building for them modern infrastructure like connecting their illegally built settlements to the national electricity grid, and by extending the water and sewage pipes to their areas, they will be encouraged to develop their economy and hence will be no longer inclined to terrorism. They don't seem to understand that it is ideology and not economy that drives them to terrorism. As a journalist colleague wrote recently, and I paraphrase, the 19 terrorists who flew the airplanes into the Twin Towers some 21 years ago were not economically deprived individuals, but educated men from well-to-do backgrounds. Fifteen of them were citizens of Saudi Arabia. Two were from the United Arab Emirates. Only one was from Lebanon and one from Egypt. We cannot control, of course, what is being taught in those countries, but can only hope that the Abraham Accords will be extended and in time have the desired effect. But in Israel, we have the means to ruthlessly clean out the education system, and not only from schools, but also from mosques, where the hatred of Jews is being preached as a holy duty. That combined with punishment for the families of the terrorists, should have strong deterrent effect. Children would not like to see their parents being hurt. It is in many cases the whole family that is the breeding ground for incitement to murder Jews. Too often we have heard how Arab mothers spoke of their pride that one of her sons became a martyr for Allah and that she looks forward to her other sons also joining him. 
I repeat my often said words that we can only change this by voting for a government that has the interests of our Jewish state as its priority. It is ridiculous for Bennett to prepare the celebrations for our Independence Day when in fact he decimates part of what we have achieved in the past 74 years of the Jewish state's existence. More after the break. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. And now, here is Walter Bingham. Bennett's actions to destroy our beautiful settlements while building up Arab houses borders on treasonous activity. I apply the words to Bennett by which the US President referred to Putin. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. You will have noticed the hustle and bustle in the shops of the Jewish areas in your town, and that's because... This week we are beginning the festival of Passover. It's the first of three major festivals with both historical and agricultural significance. The other two are called Shavuot and Sukkot. The primary observances of Passover are related to the exodus from Egypt after 400 years of slavery as told in the biblical book of Exodus. Passover lasts for seven days, eight in fact outside Israel. The first and last days of the holidays are days on which no work is permitted. The name Passover is derived from the Hebrew word Pesach, which is based on the root Passover and refers to the fact that God passed over the houses of the Jews when he was slaying the firstborn of Egypt, during the last of the ten plagues. Passover is also widely referred to as the Spring Festival or the Festival of Matzah and is the time of our freedom. Many of the Passover observances still held were instituted in chapters 12 to 15 of the Exodus story in the Torah. And probably the most significant observance involves the removal of chametz, leavened bread, from homes and property. Chametz includes anything made from the five major grains, wheat, rye, barley, oats and spelt, that has not been completely cooked within 18 minutes after coming into contact with water. Some Jews also consider rice, corn, peanuts and legumes as chametz. The removal of this chametz commemorates the fact that the Jews left Egypt in a hurry and did not have time to let their bread rise. It's also a symbolic way of removing the puffiness, the arrogance and the pride from our souls. In fact, Jews are not only prohibited from eating chametz during Passover, but they may not even own 
or derive any sort of benefit from it either, including using it to feed pets. This important stipulation requires Jews to sell all remaining leaven products before Passover begins and change their utensils in which they cook, chametz. The grain product we eat during Passover in place of chametz is called matzah. Matzah is unleavened bread made simply from flour and water and cooked very quickly. This is traditionally viewed as the bread that the Jews made for their flight from Egypt and matzah is also referred therefore as the bread of affliction. The process of cleaning the home of all chametz preparation in preparation for Passover is an enormous task. To do it right, most Jews spend several days, some even weeks, scrubbing down their kitchens, thoroughly cleaning the insides of stoves, fridges and ovens, and covering all surfaces that came into contact with chametz with shelf liner or foil. On the night before the holiday begins, a formal ceremonial search of the house is undertaken. After the search, a small paragraph is recited to nullify any additional chametz which could not be found. The morning before Passover begins, any remaining chametz in one's possession must be burned. And today, in many places, there will be a community site where a large bonfire is created and all the residents come to destroy their chametz. On the first night of Passover, and which outside of Israel will be the first two nights, Jews are commanded to have a special family meal filled with ritual to remind us of the significance of this holiday. The meal is called Seder, but that's no ordinary meal. There's a specific set of tasks that must be completed and information that must be covered in a specific order. To correctly follow the process, the text of the Passover Seder is written in a book called the Haggadah that we read on that evening. Well, I hope that you've got some idea now, if you didn't know it before, what we Jews do on Passover. The life of our children is particularly important on Passover, and there are even special songs they sing, and here are just three of them. Oh, where, oh, where has my chametz gone? Oh, where, oh, where can it be? My ima has cleaned so carefully. Oh, where, oh, where can it be? Chametz gone. Oh, where, oh, where can it be? With a candle and feather, we search every room. Oh, where, oh, where can it be? Oh, where, oh, where has my chametz gone? Oh, where, oh, where can it be? Pesach is coming, so chametz we burn. Oh, where, oh, where can it be?
here only matzah will eat. No more chametz for me. Where's the afikomen? Afikomen, I have to find it now. The middle mots are broken too. Who will find it, me or you? Broken too, me or you? Ah, afikomen. Where's the afikomen? Afikomen, I have to find it now. Living room by the stairs. Check the cushions. Check the chairs by the stairs. Check the chairs. Broken too, me or you? Ah, afikomen. Where's the afikomen? Afikomen, I have to find it now. It was found by Zadie's seat. Now it's the last thing we eat. Zadie's seat, thing we eat. By the stairs, check the chairs. Broken to me or you. Ah, afikomen, where's the afikomen? Afikomen, I finally found it now. Afikomen, here's the afikomen. Afikomen, I finally found it. We have one Hashem, one God in heaven and earth. In our lives we have one Hashem, I know one. Who knows two? Moshe held the Tuluchot, tablets of the covenant. Moshe held the Tuluchot, I know two. Who knows three? There are Shlosha Avot, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. There are Shlosha Avot, I know three. There are Arba Imahot, I know four. Who knows five? Five books of the Torah. I know five. Who knows six? She shasid re Mishnah, six sections of Mishnah. She shasid re Mishnah, I know six. Who knows seven? Shivayamei Shabbata, seven days of the week. Shivayamei Shabbata, I know seven. Who knows eight? Shmona Yemei la eight days before a brit. Shmona Yemei la I know eight. Who knows nine? Tisha Yacheleida, nine months of childbirth. Tisha Yacheleida, I know nine. Who knows ten? Asara Dibraya, Ten Commandments. Asara Dibraya, I know ten. Who knows eleven? Achadasa Kochvaya, Eleven stars in Joseph's dream. Achadasa Kochvaya, I know eleven. Who knows twelve? Shneimasa Shiftaya, Twelve tribes of Israel. Shneimasa Shiftaya, I know twelve. If you feel you want to comment on this or anything else you heard here today, please write to walter at israelnewstalkradio.com.
where you will always get my personal reply or use the comment section on the Walter Bingham file page on our website. And so, until we meet again in happy times, this is Walter Bingham wishing once again all my Christian listeners a very happy Easter, the Muslim community Ramadan Karim, and Chag Pesach Sameach to my Jewish friends. Did you help your elderly neighbors to prepare for Pesach? Have you thought of inviting a lonely old person or even a lone soldier who has no family in the country? to your Seder table? It's not too late. Thank you. Goodbye. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India. And I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Da from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.